I'm James. And I'm Andy. And we host the Broadway Boys Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Every Monday, we talk New York Rangers, news from around the league, and all aspects of the hockey lifestyle. It's all power play goal! It's never been a better time to be a Rangers fan. So tune in and join us as we break down games, prospects, rumors, and more as we follow the Blue Shirts on their quest towards the Stanley Cup. Our takes are all our own. And not always legally binding. But you're not going to want to miss all the guests, rants, speculation, and the occasional overreaction. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod and catch new episodes every Monday morning on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and more. And this one will last a so what are you waiting for? Subscribe, follow, and listen to the Broadway Boys Podcast today. And be sure to check out all the exciting content on the Hockey Podcast Network. Oh, baby! I am Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. Happy Monday, everybody. I hope everything is going well. Uh, there's not been too much hockey news when it comes to the Coyotes lately, which is sometimes not a bad thing with the way that things have been going. But before we get into all of that, I'd love to introduce, as always, my wonderful and amazing co-host, Richie Suave Flores. How are you doing? Hello, Corey. I'm doing wonderful. A um, couple of things. First, I can't believe the Dallas Stars beat the Golden Knights again. So the Dallas Stars are up 3-1 to one on the Golden Knights in the Western Conference Final, which is ridiculous. And that essentially means that Vegas has lost – because they lost two games – they lost two games in a row to two other last three. So they were 2-1 in that series. And then – so they're like 3-4 and four in their last seven games. So they're not playing that great. They can't score – Right now, they they lost three to one uh, tonight on Sunday to Dallas, so that's wild. Number two um, is I haven't had a chance to watch the season finale of Veronica Mars yet. As soon as we wrap up this podcast, I'm going to watch it. Um, we'll explain that in a minute. And then the third thing is um, I was joking with the guys from the Soda Pod earlier this week about how they are usually drinking some sort of beer during their show. Like last time we were on their show, I was I made sure to crack open a beer and I was drinking drinking during their show. Why? Well, I, I was like, well, why can't we turn Sporty into the unofficial wine podcast of of the Hockey Podcast Network? So uh, because if the Sporty Nation doesn't know this, I have now gotten myself into a wine kick uh, thanks to Knocking Point, which is my go-to wine distributor. And so tonight I am drinking. Uh, a wine from Knocking Point that they just released. It's called Couch Wine. It is a Pinot Grigio out of Washington State. And uh, I actually quite like it. On the back of the label, it says Couch Wine because it's Sofa King Good. 
Get it? Huh? <laughs> I can't believe that 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 corny of a joke was put in there. That's that's pretty funny, actually. That's that's actually great. A funny. I I didn't even I didn't even think about that. Also, Richie, are you sitting on a squeaky chair? Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's that's what that is. I'm hearing a squeaky chair. Okay, as long as like it almost sounded like haunted behind you. So I was just making sure that, you know, there wasn't something. It almost sounds like someone walking on, like, creaky floorboards. Like, creeping around you. you. Yeah, because I move a lot when I talk, and so that's what's happening here. But I'll try and keep it at a minimum. Oh, no, no, no. as long as no one's, like, trying to sneak up on you, it's perfectly fine. No, we're good. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a squeaky chair. So we're good. So. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I like Knocking Point. They... They have some good ones that they've come out with. They, they're they a little bit more on the, like, they're not on the cheap side at all. They're not really the expensive, expensive side either. They're kind of in the middle. But they've had some really good ones, and they've had some that were eh. So it, it just depends on which ones I've gotten. But a lot of them, probably 80% of them, have been really good. I 100% agree. And if, if, uh, if Stephen Amell is listening to this show, we would love for Knocking Point to sponsor this show. That'd be amazing. But yeah, the closest we we will ever get to Stephen Amell is uh, however many rows away from him we were at Comic Con. That's about it. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Unless unless he uh, has another once Comic Cons can actually start back up again, and uh, he comes around to Phoenix at some point, then we can. We can actually pay to have a photo with him or something. Or he could hang out with, uh, if he ever comes back to the Phoenix one, I mean, it's not like he's doing any of that stuff. He's done with Arrow now. He could do the same thing he did before and hang out with uh, Arizona sports stars. Last time he was here, he got to hang out with Shane Doan and um, he got to go to i think a d-backs game for free because shane doan like gave him tickets and stuff like that actually the first time i met shane doan in person that was our entire conversation was about Stephen amell and the show arrow that's that's funny that's a way different than every other everybody else's first time to meet shane so that's a story you can tell yeah it was, just told it, was- it. It was it was really cool, and he was like, he's all surprised that I knew, and he, he, I think he felt very like starstruck by the fact that he got to talk to him, hang out with him, and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. Um, for those of you who don't know, Shane Doan is an, an extremely personable person. He's a great guy. He will uh, always be on like the good side of history on things, and he so he was uh, more than happy to talk to me about Stephen Amell and his. Uh, his chance to hang out with him and he thought it was like the coolest thing and his you know his kids thought it was super cool too so um i'm really glad that uh i got to talk to him about that because uh it was almost like he himself was like a little kid talking about it so it was cute but regardless of all that said already here's what we don't have a lot to talk about on this week's episode because like Corey, you mentioned not a whole heck of a lot of news regarding the coyotes this week so we are debuting a new feature that we're going to do over the next few episodes leading up until free, free agency starting on October the 9th. 
with the drafts being held earlier that week on October 6th and 7th. So we're quickly approaching that. Basically, over the next few episodes, we're going to go through the entire Coyotes roster, grade every player on how they did this past season, and then talk about what their future may be, if they're going to come back next season, if they won't, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but before we, before we do that, a couple things to get out of the way. Um, go visit our merch store. A lot of stuff up on the merch store right now. You can check out the link on Instagram and on Twitter. Go follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter's at Corey underscore Richie Show. Instagram just at Corey Richie Show for all the extravaganzas there. Um, so, what do you think? Should we just should we dive uh, straight into the to the players we have in our list this week, or do you have anything else completely random that we should talk about beforehand? <laughs> <laughs> not completely random actually coyotes related um from what we were talking about earlier today next week is the deadline or the time not the deadline the the approximate timeline for the coyotes choosing a gm correct yeah the latest we saw from craig morgan this week was was that uh, the coyotes will wrap up their first round of interviews earlier this week and then choose finalists for the gm position from a large group of candidates um, and then it's possible they'll name a GM next week. And Pierre is not in that anymore, just no. as like a pointing out thing and a thank God thing. Not anything against him. I just did not want that to happen at all. Yeah, thank God that got squashed really quickly. Hallelujah. There is no need for more controversy about things, which I do appreciate the fact that there is um, stuff coming out around the NHL about other teams having financial issues, which brings me to the point of, once again, when it's anyone outside of the Coyotes, that's when people will be like oh you know they just have a little bit of issues not a big deal but when it's the coyotes it's like oh my gosh they're one step away from moving to quebec or houston or wherever else people want to imagine them being at so um i i thought that was very funny too that was the other thing that came out um over this week that really <laughs> made me start laughing going huh yeah that's that's per the usual as soon as other people i mean like i said in the beginning there's a pandemic going on. Everyone's having issues, and that doesn't mean that people are going to be going away, but it just means that um, team, you know, teams and businesses, there are businesses that are going away, but like, it, it doesn't mean that, that this is the end for everyone. It just means that everyone's having a hard time because there is a pandemic going on. We can't really control that. Oh, yeah, 100%. I'm curious, and it's, not, it's happening in all sports too because there were some reports from the phoenix suns that they would be looking to cut their payroll coming up in this next season and which makes 100 percent sense because the suns have they furloughed a bunch of their staff over the course of the last few months and uh, so it's not just a coyotes thing it's a sports sports wide thing so all the people up in the our hpn slack chat need to get off the Coyotes' ass when it comes to that because it's, uh, it's a sports-wide issue, not just a Coyotes issue, like you said. Oh, yeah. It's, it's an everyone issue. And you've got to think of places like – it's funny because I was um, watching slightly – I'm not even sure why – a small documentary on um, 
your team, the LA Rams, about how their new stadium and what went into it and all this stuff. But I don't think any of them, like they're talking about what they prepared for and everything, you know, like they have special beams for seismic activity and whatnot. But I don't think the, they ever thought that they would be preparing for the issue of no fans. Like that has to really hurt, you know, a team gets relocated, has a new stadium and you are stuck in a situation where you either have no fans or uh, a minimal amount of fans. I think that place can fit like, what is it? It's, it's like over 70,000 people in there because they're, they're also wanting to use it for um, the Olympics as well. So that they are, they put a lot of time and money into this place and no one's really going to be in it. You know how bummed I am about that? I'm so bummed because I was planning prior to the pandemic hitting, I was planning on going to a game there at some point this season because I've gone to the last two times the Rams have made the playoffs. I went to playoff games at the LA Coliseum and I made the road trip for those games. And so if they would have, there were actually fans available at SoFi Stadium this year, I would have ponied up and spent way too much money to go and see a game this season. So I'm bummed I can't, but alas, maybe I'll go next season if there's fans by next season, which at this point, who knows? Yeah, that's a, that's the problem is who knows when it comes to everything. But I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, what we're all just trying to say is when it comes to the Coyotes having issues financially after this pandemic, Calm the fuck down. It doesn't mean things are going to be going south anytime quickly. It just means that there's a pandemic going on. Exactly. Okay. So should we dive into, we have one, two, three, four, five, six players to get to here on this week's pod. Won't spend too much time diving deep into, into these guys. We'll just kind of hit them in, you know, two to three minutes a piece, if that, and kind of get a primer on what the Curry's off season is that handle. So I'll let you bat lead off, Corey. Who do you want to start with on our list of players? Um, I feel like the first initial person that we should start off with is um, OEL, just because we have addressed him already. So I kind of feel like we need to get like into that and out of that a little bit quicker than the others, just because we have talked about him before. So um, as I've said before, I think, you know, OEL's tenure here has been has been great. Like he has grown a lot as a player. I don't think he was ever made to be captain material. He definitely um, has, you know, when he's spent his entire career here, he's gotten to this point where it's difficult to be a coyote for your entire career. Shane Doan did it. But that doesn't necessarily, well, not all Coyote, but like, you know what I'm saying? But like, so it's saying with the same organization um, for your entire career is difficult. And so, and especially one that's in this market, you know, it's, it's not like a market like um, with the Leafs where you're constantly having people and fans and media breathing down your neck and really like hyper analyzing you, but it's a, a market that is growing and needs a lot of nurturing and that's 
that's also something that takes a lot of strain on you after a while. And I think he's just gotten to the point where he can't handle the strain. He's not, he got the captaincy without being real captain material and without the leadership that um, Talkett really needed from him. And then he's also, I think, just getting burnt out here. So I would, I would personally like for himself and for the team to see him go. Here's what his contract looks like. Uh, he's got seven years remaining at $8.25 million per season. His season, he put up 30 points in 60 games in the regular season, had three points in nine playoff games. And we've been over OEL a lot on on this show, so we don't have to retread too much of it. And you hit on pretty much all the main points. In my opinion, I think it is time for Ollie Rickman Larson to move on. I think it's time for the Coyotes to find a new suitor for him. And I don't think if they do decide to trade him that they're going to get much back for him. I'd imagine that it's basically a team is going to come to the Coyotes and say, hey, listen, we have a lot of cap space. We can take on your contract, this contract for you, if you retain a little bit of the salary, and then we'll give you like a middle-round draft pick just to get rid of the salary. And so I don't expect to get much for him if they do decide to trade him. We'll see if, if – I mean, it will be in a situation – it could be a little bit different if it's in a situation where there's a team that needs his style of play. If they need a defenseman that's a very solid offensive defenseman, then I could see it being a little yeah. bit better than, than, you know, just kind of like where, where you're at with it. I could see if it's – if he's needed – then um, they could get a little bit more for him. But if he's not, if it's going to a team that's not needed and they're just trying to get rid of uh, that contract, I I would agree with you. Yeah, if he finds the right system to play him, he'll probably be a lot better. Fat. Like he was a much better fit in the Dave Tippett system than he is the Tocket system, for sure. You just look at his numbers. So, what grade would you give OEL for the 2019 20 season? Um, I, I think, I mean, are, are you mostly just saying like on the ice or do you, are you saying like all around on the ice? Yeah. On the ice B minus. I'd probably give him a, I'd probably give him a C. Like he just was, he was there. Didn't really make an impact all season long. He just had an average season that. You know, he played like a he played like an average defenseman in the league, even though he's being paid like a top tier Norris Trophy level contender. And so, when if you underperform, if when you underperform, you get an average grade. I'm a I'm a harsh professor. Well, I was about to say if you're combining his on ice play with a, his leadership ability, I would give him a D. Yeah, okay, I can I can see that. Sure. But if you I mean it's up that's again, we don't have a grading scale here. You can come up with whatever grading scale you want. So Yeah. Well that's a, I, I just I didn't know with, with him, I there's a lot of problems that we saw with him on the ice. Uh, there was definitely a lack of consistency with him as much as there was with the rest of this team. But um I definitely would also dock him for the fact that it just did not work out with him having the captaincy this year. It just didn't. Uh, and it, he's just not that person. 
Right. All right. Let's uh, let's move on. I will. I'm going to go with Christian Fisher, a very interesting player to me. Um, he is the restricted free agent this offseason. So that means that the Coyotes have a little bit more control over the decision on whether or not they want him to stay. Um, his season this year um, didn't really produce um, nine points in 56 games. He got scratched on multiple occasions, 1.9 games in the playoffs. He was kind of, when he was drafted, he was kind of the power forward type of guy with some scoring upside. And, you know, and he just hasn't really met up to his expectations here. He had 15 goals just two years ago, right? And I think that's kind of what the type of player we thought Christian Fisher would be, is he'd be that kind of bully in front of the net with that net front presence. And he'd be, you know, be able to bury pucks, you know, and create havoc and, you know, get goalies nervous with the style of play. And he just wasn't able to do that. So, in my opinion, I give Christian Fisher – I give him a, like a C-. minus. Like he was, a, he was pretty much stuck on the fourth line this year, playing sheltered minutes, just didn't produce. I think they probably bring him back um, on, a, on a very, very low contract. He was making less than a million dollars this year. He's not quite arbitration eligible, so that means the Coyotes can – kind of offer him a, a little bit lower contract for the next year or two. And, um, you know, he's an affordable fourth line, you know, maybe a guy you can get turned around if he, if Rick Tockett finds the right way to play, play him. Um, but a little, little, little disappointing season for Christian Fisher. Yeah, it definitely was not his season. I mean, um, if you just kind of want to keep him on as as a as a grinder and as a presence there, then then okay. But he really didn't do much to uh, to warrant really doing much for him to try and keep him or to give him any more money than he's had because it just it was very as you said subpar season for him. There was nothing. Um, too great that came from it so much so that i really don't have much to say about him other than the fact that it was meh you know it that that if there was any like describing word for a season it was meh and like that is the only thing i can come to with it because it was so subpar and i, I would agree with you on on the grading scale on that one um and 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 with most things that you said um kind of to move on from him, I I would go into uh, Taylor Hall. We have no reason to think he would re-sign here. Um, that is very apparent now, very obvious. Like, I, I don't think anyone has been thinking anything else. I mean, um, Taylor Hall's been in a situation where all he wants to do is be on a team that's going to win. That showing that the Coyotes had against Colorado was definitely not one that was showing him any type of potential. And then everything that's been going on, you know, behind the scenes in the front office and everything has also been um, rough for the team as well as the penalties um, of the losing the draft picks as well. Like it's just, it's not the 
comfortable future that he would like to be on a team of and i don't i don't blame him you know in his career he's only made um it to the play he's made it into the playoffs twice and so i just don't i don't see him staying i mean um he had 27 points in 35 games six points um in nine games in the playoffs he's an unrestricted free agent so uh I I see him going somewhere else. I don't see the Coyotes having the money um, to pay him if he did decide to stay here. I, I just don't see any of it working out. Yeah, I mean, we've been over Taylor Hall on the show, and I think you nailed everything there as far as his future with his team. He doesn't have a future with the Coyotes, in my opinion. But, I mean, if, from this perspective, if you ask me, would you do that deal again? Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. The Coyotes were in position at the time to make a really good run to the playoffs with Taylor Hall. The team on paper was better. Unfortunately, everybody else just went dry in the back half of the season. It wasn't Taylor Hall's fault whatsoever. Remember, they didn't really give up all that much. Now, the draft pick hurts a little bit. For sure, especially in light of all the, like you said, the sanctions that came down after the uh, um, combine scandal. But Taylor Hall was an A player for the Cowboys this year, right? When he was part of this team, he was the best player on the ice. Pretty much every game, he had a really nice postseason, you know. And one of my indelible images of the entire playoffs was Taylor Hall's excitement level when the Coyotes were able to defeat the National Predators in the overtime of game four when Brad Richardson scored that goal. So I'd give him an A. He's not coming back. Thank you, Taylor Hall, for your service to the Arizona Coyotes. We'll see you again in opposition because he's probably going to go play for the Colorado Avalanche. <laughs> you, you think that after uh, yeah. him being able to see what they look like? I mean, he would do well on that team. He would fit in very well with that team style of play. So, um, I mean, I I could definitely see it for sure. Yeah, because the only reason Colorado, in my opinion, lost to Dallas was they just had too many injuries. They had a lot of they had key injuries to their blue line, key injuries to their goaltenders, and when that happens, slows you down, and the Dallas Stars end up beating the Avalanche. And of course, like we mentioned earlier, they're beating the Vegas Golden Knights now, three games to one. Okay, we have a couple more players to get to, including a guy who's not coming back, in my opinion, a guy who was acquired from the Colorado Avalanche, Carl Soderberg, put up 35 points in 70 games, had two points in nine games in the playoffs. He is, of course, an unrestricted free agent. And Carl Soderberg is, again, he's one of those guys that we're just – kind of under the radar really this season he had games where he'd look really good you know he is one of those guys that isn't flat a flashy player he's a nice player you know he's a, he's a nice middle six forward and I think he kind of performed more or less to his expectations I think for the Cowboys this year we weren't really expecting him to come in and put up 60 70 points we were just kind of hoping to hoping for him to come in and and add some depth to the center position. And, you know, he's right on pace with what he's done in the past um, with his time with the Colorado, Colorado Avalanche. So, um, again, he is 
going to be uh, – he's 34 right now. He actually is going to turn 35 coming up here in October. October. He's up there in eight. Yep, up there. He's up there in age. I don't. Uh, I don't see him coming back next season. Um, I see him going elsewhere. So I'd, I'd give Carl Soderberg for this season. You know, I, I'd actually give him a, a better grade than we've given everybody else. I'd give him like a, a B minus. Like he was a he was a nice player this year. Well, I was gonna give him a B because, or maybe even a B plus because for him it, it it was very normal. Like you had said before, it's very normal for him. If you're, if you're looking at it from an expectation of, you know, like what you would like for him to have contributed, then, you know, maybe it's a little bit lower. But if you're looking at it from the point of like his own personal potential and what he gives to a team, he, he kind of came and did what he normally does and kind of what they expected him to do. It's not really his fault that people, um, you know, that we're supposed to perform um, at their caliber, which is, you know, higher than his, uh, didn't really perform where they were supposed to be. So um, I, I would give him a B, maybe even a B plus, just because of the fact that he played to um, what, to expectations. And, and to some point, you know, we were talking about the GM position before. Sometimes what all you can really do is come in and play to what they expected you to do. You know, if they didn't build a good enough team with everyone playing with the way or the way that they're expected to, then that is on the GM for not building the correct team. Um, in this situation, I don't think that was it. I think it was um, a, a few things just didn't click on this team and people didn't all play to their expectations. But to the most part, that's really kind of all you want is for players to come in and play the way that you expect them to. If they play above that, obviously, it's amazing. But um, he played what we thought he would. All right, who's the next player on your list that you would like to touch on? Um, The next one is Phil Kessel. So... Phil Kessel had 38 points in 70 games and four points in nine games in the playoffs. Um, Phil Kessel. I, so he's two years with 6.8 mil is his contract. And I am so in the middle on Phil Kessel. And then there's a lot of reasons why on this i would give his score probably a b as well i mean there's so many things that i would have liked to see more out of him i i feel like there is a lot of hype around him and the the hype was good marketing wise but it didn't the hype didn't express the same way on the ice he will and and a lot of it had to do with the fact that he was injured for like a substantial part of the season. So he was playing injured. And I mean, that in itself is amazing because of the fact that, you know, that's, that's not easy to do in any way, shape or form. And the fact that he was doing it was great, but it also meant that he wasn't playing in true Phil Kessel fashion. And he just, 
also doesn't fit as well into this lineup as he should because if he really is playing at his best and he is really thriving, then he will be on a line where he can be that playmaker and he can really set people up. But you have to have someone on a line with him that can bury the puck. And he did not really have that this season and didn't particularly have that comfortability. Um, So even once he did um, get back into the motions after he was injured, he still had a lot of mental issues blocking him from being the best that he can be. Um, and he just didn't click the way that I wanted him to. And I, so I, the reason why I give him a B is if it's because of the fact that he played through all of this with an injury and still was able to be decent, but it was definitely not the Phil Kessel that we know and love and were expecting. Yeah, 100%. He underperformed like crazy. He had one of his worst seasons of his career. Just look at the numbers. I'm sure Phil was pretty disappointed by the season. Like you said, he was hurt. And I think the biggest piece that was missing from his game this year was his ability to contribute on the power play. We know that the Coyotes struggle on the power play for much of the season, and God damn, it was shit in the playoffs. And I'm looking at some his, his power play – points percentages or his points here on the power play over the last couple seasons his power play goals were down his power play assists were way way down he had 30 assists on the power play two seasons ago 24 assists on the power play in the 2018-2019 season and just eight this year and that's what the Coyotes were missing this year Phil Kessel I, look, I don't know if they're going to be able to trade him. Obviously, we know he has a no-trade clause. Um, but if they can move him, I would. It's pretty clear that that trade was a mistake, plain and simple. I don't know how else to put it. It was, it just didn't work out for Phil Kessel here. Granted, yes, he was hurt. And that's why I'm going to bump up his grade just a tiny bit from a, a D. If you look at his numbers, you give him a D. But because he was hurt, you bump him up just a tiny little bit. To a C. Wow, Phil you're Kessel not giving him any credit for playing through being injured. I am, because he. I was going to give him a D, and I just bumped him up a whole letter grade to a C. Wow, I was giving him a B just on the sheer grit of that. Oh, just because he was able to play through all those injuries, even though he probably shouldn't have. Y- yeah, and I'm and I not to call people. Not, I never want to say you shouldn't, um, you know, care about your health first. But most people would have bitched out in that situation. They would have been like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. He at least tried to, like, stick it out, which was still something. I mean, I guess you could play devil's advocate in that and say because he did that, it took him longer to get back to full strength, which meant that it hurt him and the team for a longer period of time. Uh, in that situation, then I then I would agree with you, and I would drop him to a C. Just I guess it depends on how you look at that. Now that I'm like debating with myself. Well, we agree, we will agree to disagree on that one, which we can do on this show. That's the beauty of it, I guess. All right, well, we have, we got one last player to get to, and then we'll we'll wrap up with some other business. 
too. Jason Demers is our final player. He's got one year left on his contract at just under $4 million. Had 11 points in 50 games. He was hurt some of the season. And he had four points in nine games in the playoffs, which that's a big deal for him right there. He actually played you – know, he was able to put up some numbers in the playoffs, which is nice. Um, Jason Demers this year, like, Jason Demers was Jason Demers, you know, for this part. Like, kind of how we were talking about Carl Soderberg, about how he played to his expectations this year. Jason Demers pretty much did the same exact thing for the Coyotes. And, and uh, hit, you know, if they can move him, I would, because his contract is expiring. You know, it's best to at least get some assets for him rather than none and just let his contract expire. So... Um, I'm bringing up his, his age because he's getting up there in age right now too. He's um, he's 32 right now, and so he's getting up there in age. You know, I as far as a grade, I, I'd give him a B. He was a, he was a, another you know dependable Coyote for the most part this season. He, he made some defensive mistakes along the way, and he struggled at times. But overall, Jason Demers kind of met expectations, I think, and. I'm I'm wondering what the new general manager will will think of him because I don't know he is a veteran and you're still going to need some veterans on that blue line next year and you know we need good time we didn't, we're not going to talk about Alex Goligoski this week maybe next week but you know I think Alex Goligoski is a, a a trade candidate too so imagine the Coyotes trading away half their blue line all of whom are seasoned veterans in this league so I doubt that all three of them get traded but. Um, Jason Amare is certainly a trade candidate, in my opinion. Yeah, that's going to be a very difficult situation going into this offseason is the fact that, you, you know, this team had been so young for so long. So, like, this team has gone through a rebuilding phase for the past, you know, five years and has gone significantly younger over the years. And that was one of the problems that this team um, was missing and still is, in a, in a weird way, still missing that sense of leadership. Um, which comes with, you know, having a, a decent core of um, veterans on your team. So that does get really difficult if you were to, you know, trade away all those veterans like you're saying. But in the same token, when you have, when you are in a situation where, what's the saying? You're you're up a up a creek without a paddle, whatever that saying mm-hmm. is. Um, mm-hmm. that's kind of where the Coyotes have been put into a situation when it comes to all those sanctions that came down with those draft picks. They can't fine-tune um, their futures with these draft picks. So you have to start looking at some of these players that are, you know, even if they are performing to their expectations, if they're not elite at what they do what can you get for them and how can you try and use that as either a way to get some draft picks back or something in order to pad yourself there because it's not normal they're going to have to get creative and they're going to have to look at these guys and go okay did they perform what they are supposed to yes um are are they a high enough caliber that we need to be keeping them no and that's going to be the point that they're going to have to get to is you're going to have to get very 
almost in the way like you know in an expansion draft type situation where you're looking at certain players like which ones are, are the ones you're going to want to save um because i as much as i wouldn't like this team to be um going through a full rebuild because you know they just finished doing that and the last thing that uh coyotes fans want to live through is another rebuild over again um it's going to be incredibly difficult for them to retool so they have to think okay where are our options and if that means getting rid of a lot of veterans on this blue line then that's what's gonna it's gonna have to do and they're gonna have to essentially rebuild that portion of the team yeah so there you go that's our first six players in our series of I don't know. What, are, what should we call this segment? Should they stay or should they go? Oh, that, that was very good. I, I, that, was that right off the top of your head or did you have that planned? No, I did not have that planned. I don't even know who sings the song. Should I stay or should I go? But I... I uh, like isn't that the... I thought it was the, the Kinks or something. Let me look it up. Let me look it up. Hang on. Hang on, Sporting Nation. Stand by, stand by. Ah, here we go. It is by, oh, The Clash. The Clash. Jesus, I'm going to get killed for that. The Kinks and The Clash, two different bands, folks. Don't get them mixed up. (laughs) When you said that, I was like, (coughs) I really don't think so. Not even remotely. But, um, yeah, should they stay? Or should they go? That has been this has been our first installment of should they stay or should they go? We'll do six more players next week. Stay tuned. Sport Nation should be good. All right, anything else before we before we go? I I don't think I had anything left. Um, I'm really excited to get into whatever GM is decided upon next week. I'm hoping it gets decided upon before we film our next episode, so that way we can dig into that from what Richie and I were kind of like talking about earlier it it sounds to me don't let me speak for you but it sounds to me like we're both kind of leaning towards either uh Sean Burke or Steve Sullivan 100 percent I have been a Steve Sullivan homer since the beginning of this process so because both of them as we talked about have similar resumes and um uh, they're both very deserving. I'd be happy with either one. And hopefully, like Craig Morgan reported, maybe we'll get a candidate coming up this week as we're under a month now again, like we said at the top of the show, until free agency and the draft and all that extravaganza. All right, I got two things before we go. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, number one, do you like peeps? Yes or no? Peeps? Yeah. Are those those marshmallow things yes. that have yes. the little the little birds on them? Yes. Around things or not Thanksgiving, <laughs> Easter. <laughs> uh, that's a different bird. Um, uh, I've never really eaten Peeps. Um, I feel like they just taste like a overly sugarized marshmallow. So I would yeah. lean towards that's no. Just... Okay. Well, then don't listen to what I'm about to say because it doesn't pertain to you apparently. But uh, Peeps treats are going on hiatus for several months. 
another consequence of the coronavirus pandemic. Just Born Quality Confection said it won't be producing the popular marshmallow sweets for Halloween, Christmas, or Valentine's Day as the Pennsylvania-based company prepares for next Easter. Wait, shit. Wait, wait, wait. These, these things come out more than just on Easter? I thought it was like a fucking candy corn thing. Like you, uh, only No, they're available like year-round. Yeah, peeps are available year-round. Oh, okay. You can well, buy some right now. Well, I had no idea. And, and speaking of candy corn, disgusting. If you like candy corn, there's something wrong with you. The, the, there's nothing more disgusting than candy corn. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I never really ate Peeps. Um, I, would, I would go more towards the chocolate bunnies than I would Peeps. Feel like I'm letting you down on this situation. Yeah, you are. Pe- uh, peeps are delicious. I don't eat a lot of them because they're sugary as fuck, and it's like I don't. I just eat them. I eat them only around Easter time, and I'll just have like one. I'll have like my little four of them that my mom gets me for Easter every year, and that's it. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm done. I have my peeps. So, also candy corn. I actually like candy corn, so uh, you can hate me all you want. Ah, uh, you like candy corn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> you may be the first person I've ever known that actually likes candy corn. Yeah, I ate it all the time when I was a kid. So like, No way. Well, I am sorry I I um insulted you like that, Richie. I've just never met anyone that actually likes candy corn. Well, now you can say you have. <laughs> wow, I feel like I'm in the Twilight Zone right now. This is this is strange. I just knew that it was like uh a staple of Halloween, like in all of, you know, people use the imagery of candy corns, but every time I've ever been around anyone and there's candy corns, they're like, oh, I'm not going to eat those. Well, yeah, I think you're in the majority. I think most people agree with you that candy corn is, is crap. So I'm happily happily in the minority. That's 100% okay with me. Okay. Last thing before we go. Um, we're recording this on Saturday night before the kickoff of the NFL Sunday. Um, how do you think the Vikings are going to do this year? I don't know. They just re-signed Kirk Cousins, and um, I haven't been that encouraged by Kirk Cousins on and off the field. Um, I mean, I, I decided not to look into it because it just – was irritating to me but i was told that he he had a comment about the fact that um he he was one of the herd immunity type people like eh, if you die you die type of a thing yeah mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not for that um so i didn't even look into it because i was like i don't want to be irritated by that and his lack of consistency is also extremely frustrating <laughs> you see this like the lack of consistency in teams in my life um the Vikings are always known to me as being the team that, like, if they find a way to screw it up, they will. Um, I like to not really make big predictions for things until I've, like, seen the first two games. Um, it was the same thing when I was asked about, like, the, the wide receiver that they drafted um, in, in in the draft this year. Um, you know, I, I I usually like to see them on the field and stuff like that before I make real big calls but um i i think it's going to depend on kurt cousins to be actually able to have accuracy with his passes because he was 
definitely trailing off on that at the end of last year. So, um, I don't know. I think they'll do above average. Does that count? That's yeah, that's perfectly fine. That's uh, because I was talking about this on the freaks on Friday. I was like, I decided to pass on betting week one of the NFL season because, like, I don't know. Like, this, this season's going to be so weird. Like, we know nothing at this point. So, it could, this whole season might as well be a crapshoot because there wasn't any preseason. Oh, and yes. training camp was weird. And it was just a weird thing. Also, I don't know if you saw this too. Dalvin Cook signed a new con- five year contract. I did hear about that. I do appreciate that. I enjoy that very much. Yeah, so both of our teams re-signed big-time players. You got the Vikings re-signed Dalvin Cook, and I was very, very happy when the Rams extended my favorite player on the team, Cooper Cup, for a couple more seasons too because I was worried they weren't going to be able to afford him after they extended Jalen Ramsey and made him the highest-paid player and the highest-paid corner in the entire league. So – Thankfully, Cooper's sticking around for a couple more years, so I'm happy. Well, I he he gives his name gives me a little bit of chills after your fantasy football t- team name that one year. So um, I'm glad, but I also still got the chills when you said his name. And you know, you want to know what my fantasy team name is this year? What is it? It's also a Cooper Cup pun. But it I, cannot be worse than the previous one. No, yeah. My my name this year is Cooper Cup Check. That's the name of my team this year. Okay, that one's better. That one I, I like that one better. I, I can I can approve that one. My previous one last year when Todd Gurley was still a Ram, my team name was Two Gurleys One Cup. Yeah. Yeah, that one not so much. <laughs> um Although my um, what what was mine? Mine was I've only played one time, and it's I won first place, and I've never played ever again because I'm going down as victorious, undefeated. Um, but mine was Mike Vick in a box. Huh. That's good. That's funny. I like that one. Because I, I, I quite enjoy the uh, song My Dick in a Box. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. All right, I think we're, we're done. Quickly, uh, I'll just, I think the Rams are going 9-7 and seven this year. I don't really know what to expect from them. They could be good. They could be bad. I don't think they got worse in the offseason. They underperformed last year. They had the Super Bowl hangover. They'll be okay. They'll be – They'll be good enough. I think they'll make the playoffs. I think the Vikings will make the playoffs too. And maybe the Rams and Vikings will play in the playoffs against each other. And then we just won't talk to each other for the entire week. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. And, and Richie can talk shit to me for like a month. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're done on this episode, I think. I hope so. You, you've got a, an episode of uh, – Veronica Mars to watch, so you know, chop chop. Yep, season finale. So I'm gonna watch season finale of season one. Corey He's very behind everyone. Give him, yeah. give him time. Yeah, Corey was on me to watch it, and I've been watching the first season for the last week or so, and I got addicted to it fairly quickly. So yeah, season finale as soon as we stop recording, which will be right now. Good night, good hockey, everybody. <laughs>